in a world in the year 2017 in a time of tradition in a city where anything can happen in a war that isn't his every day in new york city on the miami police force in the deep south yo i fucking hate zoom why doesn't it connect me to audio as soon as i get on I don't know. It always happens to you, though. This, you, know, you, you formed a few strange old man habits this summer. Audio on Zoom. <laughs> if a movie's over 84 minutes, you think it's three hours long. I don't know what's going on with me. <laughs> what's up, pals? What's going on? Hang on. I got to grab this sandwich real quick. <laughs> What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the video store. This is Late Fees, where we are socially distancing with movies. I am your host, Justin. <laughs> here with, I, I'm coming up with new shit. Let, let me rock. I'm let letting rock you rock. I'm, am, I'm amused by it. I'm, I'm, your, I'm your best audience. That's a good tag, honestly. You know, we're socially distancing with movies. Of course, staying safe, keeping our masks on, and washing our freaking hands. I'm Justin here with Eric and Pat. What's going on, fellas? We are... Uh, we're, we're barreling to the end of the year into the apocalypse, uh, but we still have each other. What's up? Vote him out. Vote him out. <laughs> we are here remotely, of course, uh, talking about the latest and greatest in movies. Um, it's been two weeks since our last episode, but we do have a big announcement, of course, at the top of the show. Uh, before I say that, make sure you subscribe to RNC Watch, where you can hear shows like this. Uh, the cable box, which I'm hoping returns, right? We got some pretty cool shows coming up. Pat, what you you, you want to? What shows? Fargo. What do you mean? Oh, Fargo is gonna be good. Yeah. Yeah. So, so cable box could possibly. I, I, I gave I gave up on the shows this year. I threw in I threw in the towel. You can't, bro. I mean, well, I think once we lost uh, Righteous Gemstones and 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 Saul, like that that was it. But you know, we're, that was we're possibly nice gonna run. get all those. The it shows was. are it bad. Really I people can tell me to watch these shows. I won't. <laughs> but make sure you guys subscribe to the channel where you can listen to shows like cable box late fees overly medicated and more but before we get to the actual show we did have a big announcement uh our guy dom griffin who was on our last episode of course the michael mann episode uh he is going to be our new fourth member on late fees um make sure you follow him at all new dom on twitter he's not on this episode which is probably really confusing but he'll be on the next episode when we start i wanted to start him off really well with the Oktoberfest episode and we'll be announcing the uh we're, we're going to be announcing the schedule at the end of the show of course but our october october shows are always fun for eric at least and also for me as well <laughs> but we're going to be doing a lot of stuff in october of course, of course. But of course, the, the topic for today's episode is Brendan Fraser, man, myth, the legend. Uh, we're going to be going through his, his whole filmography and, and talking about if it does hold up or if it does not hold up with, uh, I guess, about three or four movies that we chose that we watched. I, I think we all watched widely different movies in the past two weeks that, that pertain to him. Yeah. Uh, I, I did not get through all of them. But before we get to that, what have we been watching? Let, let's, let's go around in the round table today 
Eric, what have you been watching? Um, a healthy combination of movies and TV. I know last episode, uh, we all sort of mentioned like, feel like we're watching more TV than movies <laughs> for yes. uh, for the for the movie pod. Uh, Wrong. I know, not Pat. Pat's probably the only one true to this. That's why uh, Cable Box is on a hiatus. Um, but I watched the Charlie Kaufman movie. <coughs> I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, an odd pickup for Netflix. Um, and if you know anything about Charlie Kaufman, his work is deliberately dense and labyrinthine and complex and, 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 uh, you know, off-putting for, for a large swath of people. Uh, he's made some incredible movies. I think being John Malkovich and adaptation are two of the best movies of the last 20, 21 years. Uh, Eternal Sunshine. You know, I've only watched that once, so I can't, I know it's good. And even though the worst people on Tumblr have reclaimed it, it's still a good movie. They claimed it. We're we're reclaiming it. True, true. They co-opted it. We're reclaiming. Um, This movie does have its very poignant and transcendent moments because it's unlike anything you've ever seen. It's it's basically, uh, the entire movie is not even dream logic. It's memory logic it's like a you're like watching a brain our friend parker i think worded it this way on letterbox like remember its entire life so like scenes fracture and things bleed into other things that don't make sense it gets very surreal and fantastical and dark and bleak so you're typical Charlie but Kaufman. not it sounds like from what not just you but what i've heard from most people is that not in the successful john melkovich way yeah, John Malkovich is very, if, if, if you can even describe it this way, self-contained. This is this sprawling sort of like memory spill. And uh, there's some great performances. Jesse Plemons, the God, is always great. And I'm blanking on the actress's name. She's incredible. She's uh, like new, right? Yeah, I think so. The young, the young woman who plays his love interest. Uh, but I don't know. I, it didn't work enough for me to like highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, but... That's Charlie Coffin. Uh, like I said in my letterbox review, I can't wait for the day he speaks to a real human being for once. <laughs> I, right. I, I, I don't know if I could get through that. Like the trailer had me like, this is, this seems a bit too. I, I don't think you should see it as your first of his movies. It sounds like. Yeah. I, I will. It's almost like the David Lynch paradigm that you guys put me through about four years ago. Yeah, I think said, I would say Coffin's movies are in many ways less accessible than Lynch's because Lynch you could just look at and be like yeah that looked at least looked crazy I can say that much and, uh, and if anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about a couple of years ago I think there was like I don't even know if it was a renaissance I think the new Twin Peaks was about to come out and Pat and Eric were like we love David Lynch and I said you know what let me jump in so we went to see Blue Velvet at the, at a, at, at the theater R.I.P. Uh, to that piece of shit and then I said you know what I'm gonna dive all the way in I watched Mulholland Drive <laughs> I watched, what else did I watch? I watched, um... Watch Lost Highway, or...? I watched Lost Highway, yeah. Well, Holland Drive and Blue Velvet are the only two accessible of the movies. Right. Are are they? Because, like, at the end of the day, like, I, I just felt like I needed a better primer. Like, Blue Velvet was cool, even though I was like, what the fuck throughout most of it? And then yeah. the rest of them, I was like, I, you guys got to run me a fade. And you gotta, be, you're going to have to run me a fade. Yeah, they are intentionally alienating, but... Uh, that kind of works to what they kind of want to accomplish. Kaufman 
Kaufman is less, um, I don't know, there's something less abstract and more just kind of like unwieldy about it. Whereas like Lynch, everything seems very calculated and, and, and sort of predetermined. Um, and like I said, being John Mal Malkovich and Adaptation are, I think, perfect movies. And uh, they are as fantastical as they get. They are grounded in reality. This is just like you're watching, yeah, like somebody, like uh, you're watching a dream in someone else's head. It's very yeah. strange. Uh, but other than that, I, I finished Pen 15, the second season. Highly recommend that. Um, it is much bleaker and sadder because the divorce um, subplot is a little more foregrounded this season. So it gets – I was looking around like – I was like, I, I haven't laughed in three episodes. I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the episodes aren't long. They're like yeah. 20 minutes a pop. Like they're, they're not that long. Um, I got through two episodes of it. Pat, yeah. have you ever watched Pen 15? I have not. I think you'd like it. It, it. It's not like nostalgia porn, like a lot of these new, yeah. like, hey, remember the 80s? We had wacky Walkmans or whatever. This yeah, I, I know everyone liked, even like people I, there's obviously people I don't trust who like it, but then like everyone who I actually trust likes it too. So uh, I, I love, I love episode two, I think wrestling it's called, where they have the, the callback to old 1999 WWF attitude era wrestling. And they, they pay like a lot of homage to, the female wrestlers back then and I thought that again like it's not like a nostalgia porn because like the nostalgia of that era wasn't that these females were, were big and strong it was that they were sex objects but the show actually twists it <clears throat> into like Trish Stratus was a strong she was a badass they didn't show any of the lingerie stuff like I thought it was very respectfully handled and I, I always wonder who, who wrote that episode I need to go back and, and look at that because the way they handled that was I think it was I think it was Anna Conkle the mm. girl who plays uh, Anna um, yeah the white the white girl uh just a little sub subplot uh my first playboy magazine that i was given at age 13 had oh, no. sable on the cover oh wow <laughs> that's my deep that's my deep cut to bro uh, you were you were fucking drained after that one <laughs> I, look like, I look like quagmire coming outside with a huge arm <laughs> yeah he had that's, that's still what you look like yeah just one big arm and a five o'clock shadow uh, another before we talk about maybe the the main event, what have we been watching, Justin? Uh, of course, I have to say yeah, you got go ahead and go. Briefly, go ahead, another go. Netflix movie I will not fully endorse, much like Eric's uh, Kaufman, <laughs> a half endorsement. I will do a full unendorsement of uh, a movie I was initially very excited for when it was announced, The Devil All the Time. Um, amazing title. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's an adaptation, as a lot of Southern Gothic stuff is. Um, Pattinson does a wackadoo voice uh, that's insane, uh, and I loved what he did. Uh, the movie isn't good. Uh, it could be good. It's kind of full of itself, but it's really flat. The world building is kind of boring. Um, it's it's so long. It's uh, two twenty. If you if you go over the two ten, you uh, gotta be a good movie, and it goes, it wouldn't it wouldn't end. Um, there's like some time jumpy stuff that's kind of lame. Um, Pat, is there, is there, you know what I'm going to ask, are there old cars in the movie? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm not watching it. No old cars. You can beat me for most movies watched on Letterboxd because I'm not going to watch any movies with old cars in it, so, yeah. I, I, I love to go through a list that make, like, the list of exceptions to this rule has to be so long. Live oh, of course, there's a, lot. There's, there's a lot. Like, no, no, not a single black person available or in the movie. Automatic. No, there, def uh, there definitely wasn't. Oh, see, exactly. How are you in the South with no black people? Anyway, 
Uh, what else did you watch? Oh, actually, it's it's not in the South. It's you know, it's in Ohio. Oh yeah, it makes sense then. There aren't there aren't there. Honestly, I don't think there are a lot of black people in Southern Ohio. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, I've been watching The Boys. Okay, I I just started this the show. Also, I'm two episodes into that. Noel and I just started as well. We're we're about five in. Uh, I think. It's a wild show. Um, I, I'm, I'm on season two now. I finished, uh, well, I think I had left off. Like, do you guys ever do this with, with shows? Like, will you leave off and just like have one episode left and then like walk away, go somewhere, and then you don't watch it for months? Uh, that's, yeah, I usually blame the show. <laughs> well, I did that with the last episode of The Boys. Um, I walked away from it. I didn't think, I didn't hate the first season. I just thought the first season was kind of like, it was everywhere. It was it was up. It was down. It was left. It was right. Uh, and you'll get you'll see it as it goes on, Eric. But it, it's a it's a wild, politically incorrect show. It's almost wild that it has seen the popularity that it did because, as we said earlier, it says the loud. It says it says things out loud. It says you know what I'm saying like it, it it's not quiet in the way that it represents the characters and its themes and and you know season two delves even deeper into that even talking about race uh talking about uh the the placement of women and and uh the lgbt community in society and all framed through superheroes and and i think that like without a doubt homelander is probably the most despicable character in all of tv right now his (laughs) even after two episodes they got the i don't know the actor's name who's playing him but the performance is awesome yeah Uh, he's also for light Okay, yeah, yeah, and gotta gotta say, uh, after the first episode, I was like, okay, whatever, I get it, I'll watch another one. But I couldn't turn down uh, the king, Carl Urban. Oh yeah, he's excellent. He plays uh, the butcher. Yeah, and he's so fucking cool. I mean, he's like, I, he's probably one of the best parts of those new Star Trek movies, uh, the Judge Dredd movie that I think like a, not a lot of people have seen a few years ago. It's so awesome. It's a banger. I kept hearing banger. that. I kept reading that it's like a truly great remake. It's like better. It's like as much as like we liked Upgrade. Upgrade is like a slightly worse version of Judge Dredd in a lot of ways. Not not a knock on Upgrade. It's super low budget, Eric. I think it's actually on Prime Video. Don't hold me to that, but um, I'd say definitely check it out. It's it's is it done? Is it directed by the same guy who did the the raid or one of the people that did the raid? I don't remember how it's connected to those, but it's it is like producer director somehow connected to them, and it very much is like like the like a contained like the mm -hmm. raid, like a contained kind of area that the story's told in. Yeah, it takes uh, place in one spot. It's It's like RoboCop meets the raid, basically. Yep. Way better than Sylvester Stallone one. I keep thinking of this guy. Oh God! <laughs> keep thinking of Dark Side Phil. Who, if you if you if you've been in the streaming community for a while, you know what he does. Dark Side Phil. Yes, Dark Side Phil. What was that guy's name? Doctor Disrespect. Yes. <laughs> I thought you were Doctor Disrespect for a while, Pat. When you were growing the beard out, I thought that was you. I don't. I just saw his name one day, and I was like, how? These people keep getting weirder, man. How do they keep getting weirder? Now, now <laughs> streamers are famous. It's crazy. It's not, not more than that guy whose name I can never say. The Swedish Nazi. Uh, oh, Swedish. Oh, a Pew- PewDiePie. Yeah. Yeah. I always call him Pew Pew Pew. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought it was at first. Uh, so the main event of what we've watched. I uh, know Eric couldn't couldn't make it to this day uh, last week. Pat and I saw 
Tenet, just a really, I know, I know Dom talked about it a little bit uh, two weeks ago. Let's just kind of like break it down in a couple sentences. Uh, I thought Tenet was fine. I didn't hate it. Yeah. I, it's. We laughed a lot. I, we, I laughed a lot. I don't think I was supposed to laugh that much. because We no could hear each is, other laughing from car lengths away. I, I I don't think Nolan wanted us to laugh at some of the parts that we were laughing at. Uh, and I don't we think he wanted. Laughing. I don't think he wants anyone to laugh ever, uh, unless like uh, it's like Michael Caine saying something sassy. Uh, it it was. Um, I was never bored watching the movie. Uh, it's probably one of his. It, the script I think is probably worse on a story level than Interstellar. Uh, but it's much more fun to watch than Interstellar. And by that, I mean 30 to 40 times more fun to watch. Uh, it makes way less sense than Inception, uh, which I think makes a lot of sense in its own little world. Uh, this one, they, uh, there are whole scenes where I'm like, ah, not sure what that was about, but they bungee jumped up a building. <laughs> and we thought that was like the time travel part. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it, it is. It, it's definitely, it's it's definitely like a movie where they literally tell you not to think about it too hard, and and usually that would be a threat to me. But in the movies, literally, you're not supposed to think that hard. I've been and trust me, I've been on that Reddit for about a week now, and they don't they understand about as much as we do. Yeah. And there's people who like make have made diagrams of the stuff, and they they're trying to answer all these questions, and I'm like. Man, I don't even know if he wanted us to think this deeply. It doesn't make sense. The the, the funniest thing about the movie to me is that he didn't need to invent something that wasn't time travel, which he refers to as reverse entropy, which is so fucking funny. Uh, But he did invent this thing that isn't time travel. And it only, if it were time travel, the movie would basically be exactly the same. Uh, And instead it's like 10 times more needlessly complicated because of this thing that doesn't make sense. Yep. And, when they say uh, like it's, it's the bullets are traveling backwards in time and someone else says like no someone's manufacturing them in the future and sending them back and that's when i was like oh okay i'm strapped in that doesn't make it, or, any sense or or like how do i pick the bullets up it's like make a motion like you're grabbing them and i'm just yeah. like what <laughs> there like, are parts when what? like they ha- they'd have the masks on they didn't have the masks on i'd be like i thought they were reverse right now but apparently not i didn't and you know what i didn't care yeah yeah uh so i mean i think i i i it's it's so so i'll keep it in my video store yeah i'll watch it again at home i would love to see what eric thinks about it i know you're probably not going to catch it until it hits uh, vod so i'm patiently waiting for the eric opinion on tenant like i think that's gonna be i'm just gonna shut the hell up for 10 minutes and let eric just go off on that shit speaking of that coming to vod uh the last thing we can say about this is that instead of saving movies it has effectively ruined theatrical releases at least for this year and potentially forever sure i'd say for the rest of this year i think 2021 We'll be in a lot better place. I think probably by like March, April-ish, we'll probably be in a better place. Yeah. I think people just like, I, I think I saw uh, Andrew, who used to work at Complex. I think he works at The Ringer now. He was like, movies are the gifts of a functioning society. And I'm just like, he's absolutely right. Like, they, we don't deserve movies right now. We should, <laughs> we should, we're on punishment for movies until next year. Like, I'm fine with that. Like, it, it's cool to go to drive through and watch something. Um, but you know, Tenet was not necessary. It did not need to come out right now. I, I think more than anything, the people's reaction to it 
in a negative way is because of just how brazen Chris Nolan was in releasing it, you know, in the middle of a pandemic and thinking that a Travis Scott outro was really the thing. Like when it plays at the end of the movie, it's so loud and stupid. You don't even know what the, what the purpose <laughs> of the song is anyway. So it's truly, it's truly some King Lear hubris shit. Like this guy appointed himself to be the movie Messiah. I was like, I will save film. A thing that no one really was asking for. Like he, he said that this needs to happen. And the fact that this guy who has, who does have a very feverish following, like people, like Nolan Hive is is like the K Hive, the scariest. Bug. That's because like jocks like him. Yeah, it's like he yeah he he does have a very muscular nerd like it's muscular and nerdy at the same time. So he gets jocked. <laughs> uh, so the fact that this movie fucking whiffed and like these kind of and it wasn't just an indictment of like the drive-through economy like. There are movies that are doing really well, like Palm Springs, even though it was day and day of day of a Hulu release, made decent money. And so did the Bill and Ted movie. And um, even Dave Franco's terrible horror movie, like made like 10 million bucks. Like movies are doing OK. It's, but Nolan insisted on doing this spectacle that absolutely whiffed. And I'm, I don't know. I, I, it's kind of fucking hilarious to me. It's funny. Yeah. And my, well, my tenant opinion may not come for another few years if i if i treat it the same way i treated inception oh come on wow harsh <laughs> i think you'll like it i think you'll like it a lot uh, let's get to the main event let's do it of the of the day today we're talking about brendan frazier now we haven't done an actor-centric episode in quite some time so this is kind of like this is like sophie's choice in a lot of ways of what we watched in the last two weeks <laughs> usually we have our franchise and our director episodes we haven't done an actor episode in a while but Pat, why did you, you know, with, with the lack of a manifesto, I'm still wondering why you chose Brendan Fraser for this episode. Oh, uh, well, I do think he kind of fits into our wheelhouse pretty well, just because of specifically when he was incredibly famous. Uh, and that was basically right before and after uh, 9-11. And, uh, I mean, he had, like, he he was in... George of the Jungle, Blast from the Past, The Mummy, Dudley Do-Right, Bedazzled, uh, to a lesser extent, Monkey Bone, uh, The Mummy Returns, uh, and then lastly, the, his kind of fade-out roles were in Looney Tunes and Crash, and then he kind of just went away, more or less, uh, you know, due to a combination of, like, depression issues and, I think, some injuries, and also getting blackballed by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association for reporting a sexual assault by one of their board members against him at like a party or something. Uh, so anyway, he's kind of back now. He's on a shitload of TV work, uh, including a show that I think you've seen him on, Justin. What show? Oh, uh, yes, Doom Patrol. He's on Doom Patrol, but he's barely visually on that show. Uh, he, he's, he's like the big iron guy. He's okay. like a metal guy in that, okay. in that show. But he plays the, he actually plays himself. Um, he doesn't play himself in the metal suit. That's somebody else. But he plays himself when he's a human. And it's his voice throughout it. And I think that he, he's actually pretty strong. Like, I think that Brendan Fraser does work as like, and again, like these cartoony, limber, like, like roles. Like he plays, he plays well at that. But like back in the day, I don't know if you guys thought this, but I always thought of him as just like a bigger, more muscular, like Jim Carrey. Like he was always playing like these Jim Carrey roles. Yeah, he, it's it's a weird thing where like a, a guy who's like 
kind of like when you're watching him in the mummy and shit, or even like George of the jungle, like he's a big, like ripped guy. And so for him to be doing like such sticky roles for the most part, where like, it's, he's really goofy. Uh, like the mummy is one of his more normal roles uh, as far as just being like a straightforward action hero. A lot of the other roles are like, I mean, bedazzled. He's so fucking goofy at the beginning of the movie. Like it's like slapstick almost. Yeah, like he's goofy throughout it. <laughs> I rewatched it last night and I was like, oh no, like he should be hated. He's one of the worst people ever. Like, yeah, yeah. He's, it's amazing I, how much he sucks in the beginning. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, the more I dwelled on like why we're doing Frasier, I, I think Pat touched on it a little bit. He does represent this odd, like little leading man that could kind of thing. Like, like I never realized how integral of a part he played in like childhood comedies i liked until i really thought like oh yeah like airheads and encino man and and george of the jungle shit i loved as a kid yeah um and how like yeah he is handsome but not so handsome that he you know shouldn't be like pigeonholed into goofy shit like dudley do right but like he is he has the look of a leading man franchise carrier but, but then he'll ride a horse backwards and shit. Yeah. Like, it's... and then he'll be like this big, goofy kind of like Jim, Jim Carrey esque, rubbery face guy. Like, like Justin said, and it, he does a, he does occupy these two different planes that I think makes him a very fascinating celebrity. And yet, yeah, it sucks that like the last time we saw him was like playing a kind of like racist liberal politician in Crash. <laughs> Uh, I think well, about he, that all the time. He did get to do a final mummy movie, except it it didn't have the mummy and it didn't have Rachel Weiss, so it was yeah. basically a fake movie. But it had yeah. Jet Li, so it made a half a billion dollars. Like, he, did it really overseas? I think here it probably cleared a hundred because back in two thousand eight, you could still make a movie like that and made a hundred million dollars just off like morbid curiosity. Yeah, but uh, but it had Jet Li in it, so it did Gangbusters in China and 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 the Far East. God, Stephen Summers has to be so fucking rich. It did 403 million here, which is solid. I mean, that's okay. Think about that. Like, I mean, I know it was 12 years ago, but the fact that a movie like Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor did 400 plus domestically is insane. Wait, is that just domestic and not global? Uh, well, be well, it 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 came out, uh, it came out the week after The Dark Knight. I think. Oh, yeah. So it, it it opened it opened to uh 15 million. Actually, no, it didn't beat the Dark Knight. <laughs> the Dark Knight did, but it, it it hit 40 million the the weekend it came out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think global. Think the 400 is is global. Yeah. yeah domestic domestic global. is 102, which is still yeah. pretty surprising, honestly. Yeah. 400 is global. You could you could eke out 100 million with a movie like that in 2008, but after that, those movies didn't work anymore. But uh, I think it is notable. I know we're jumping around a lot. We we want to start with Encino Man. I think um, it is notable that that those movies gave us The Rock as we know it. Um, the Mummy. So, yeah. So I yeah. think that's that's worth talking about at some point here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's start. Uh, let, let's let's start in 1992, where the Stone Age meets the Rock Age with Encino <laughs> Man, a movie I've seen far too much on on syndication on HBO when I was younger. Uh, this movie was actually called California Man overseas, which I think is way, <laughs> way better. Yes. Way it, better. Uh, I, I love that. that like, it's, Honestly, it should have been called California Man outside of Los Angeles County. 
Like, it, no one knows where Encino is. Yeah, I, as a kid, when I was, you know, we were watching this in Virginia as eight-year-olds or whatever, like, I you thought, thought this was California. I, I thought Encino was, like, an, another name for, like, a prehistoric time. Like, yeah, I did, oh, too. I didn't know it was an actual city that's, like, next to Sherman Oaks or whatever. Yeah, I'm, like, ten minutes from Encino right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um, oh, yeah, a place right next to the Sherman, Gallo- Sherman Oaks Galleria. If you know the if you know the background of the movie, you know what it's all about. It's about Sean Astin and Pauly Shore, two really uh, weird teenagers. If you if you remember this movie, who <laughs> find uh, a caveman in uh, his in, in Astin's backyard, frozen in a block of ice. They they unthaw him. You gotta love try, it. This is kind of like uh, the the Weekend at Bernie's thing, but with a caveman who can't speak uh, can't can't speak English very well, and they, they name him Link which is like, you know, really cool because it's Legend of Zelda, Link, you know, stuff like that. 1992 was really popular. But this movie's completely fucking batshit insane. It, this is literally like, there's no way that these types of movies could even work today. Because there's so much more like about the principle or the premise of the movie more than the, the movie itself almost. Like right. Brendan Fraser's playing a caveman who's in Encino with Pauly Shore and Sean Astin. That's the movie. Like whatever else happens... It's a little, who, who really cares so much? Yeah, this, this was the era where a agent or a manager would do a line of coke, walk into WB Studios and be like, caveman. And then that sold a movie. Like, uh, just like the gremlin shit. Like, just you say the most outlandish thing possible. And it gets picked up. Also, picked- also let, let's, let us not forget that Pauly Shore's name in this movie is Stoney. That's awesome. Not so subtle. I love subtlety. Yeah, yeah, very, very subtle. Uh, the movie had a budget of $7 million and made $40.7 uh, in the box office when it was said and done. That's a hit. I, I think this movie, yeah, it's a hit. But I mean, I think the movie really capitalized on the popularity of the MTV generation finally hitting the age where this type of stuff, like they could go to the movies, they could go see things. And like, this is like a seminal movie for a lot of people. A lot of people love this fucking movie. Like it hits it, and it still hits. Like I watched it the other day. Uh, in preparation for this and I was like yo this is this still like has heart um I think Brendan's really actually really good at it and for him to be so like young he's still fucking massive in this movie yo yeah for such a young guy to look like a caveman is pretty funny he's he's he is a jock like he has the jock build but like the soft guy demeanor and I think that's why he works in something like this um but yeah like you said Justin this was an MTV movie like it has mall uh, energy yeah, big, big, yeah, big food, ball big, energy, <laughs> big food court energy. Um, <laughs> and Pauly Shore, lest we forget, was like one of the biggest stars <laughs> in the world because of MTV. He was the face of MTV uh, in that weird 1990, 94 pocket. Um, so like, yeah, you, you're 12, 13, 14 or whatever. You see your favorite wacky guy on MTV. And then you go to the mall and watch this movie. It had the built-in audience already. Yeah, I think that's forty million bucks in on a on a low-budget comedy in the '90s is a hit. Paulie, Paulie fucking Shore, ladies and gentlemen. He, he uh, Link would actually show up in Paulie Shore's son-in-law uh, as one of the uh, soldiers in in the uh, in the. Uh, there was a scene where he had, where there were soldiers that that appear in the movie, and you can see Brendan Fraser there, and he has a, he has Link on his actual outfit. So I thought was that, that was cool. Is that in the army now? Uh, his son-in-law. Oh, I think he does that in the army now too. Like they really try oh, he to does. Tie, I think they try to tie them together uh, for like a really long time. They try to make this like link extended universe or whatever. <laughs> so fucking weird. Uh, we we got to do a, we have to do a Pauly Shore 
I was gonna say uh, it. episode. We have fascinating. to fascinating guy. We 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 absolutely have to. He was a he was a MTV VJ. So he was the that, MTV huge career, huge years. career. There's some legends. Jesse Ventura or not Jesse Ventura. Jesus, uh, Jesse, Jesse Camp. Camp. <laughs> yeah, Jesse Ventura, not an MTV VJ. Jesse Camp, hilarious know. guy. Like think um, about it. He did he did Son in Law in the Army now. Goofy movie, Jury Duty, Biodome, <laughs> all in a two-year stretch. Come Goofy on, movie bro. was is is still huge. Yeah, they think about all of the drugs he did before he did Sandy Wexler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, moving, I actually still want to see Sandy Wexler. <laughs> moving down wow. the line for for our pal Brendan Fraser. Okay, we're 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 gonna stick in the '90s here. Okay, what 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 did everyone watch? Because I watched mostly like his his output from like the late '90s, early 2000s. I've I've seen. I mean, obviously, I've seen a lot of these movies. I mean, I kind of focused on the the turn of the turn of the uh, millennium. Citrus. I guess actually, like yeah. uh, the the Mummy, uh, Dudley Do Right, Bedazzled, and but I have a pretty like if George of the Jungle were on the TV, I could probably be doing lines from the movie along with it. Jesus Christ. Well, let, let's touch on The Mummy, an action horror film, which when I watched it was way more violent than I remember it being. It came out in 1999. This is the peak of, okay, before things changed. And also the peak <laughs> of really action movies, like action movies in the 1999, 2000 period were really booming. And this one was no, you know, it was no different. It, it had a budget of 80 million. And in that time it was a lot of fucking money and made mm-hmm. back over $400 million in the box office. You have uh, you have Rachel Weiss, Weiss. You have uh, Brendan Fraser. You have Arnold uh, Vosloo, who I love, think is one love of love Arnold Vosloo, one of the most underrated actors of our time. Jonathan so Hyde's in it. Um, it. I mean, it's 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 a remake of the old 1932 film uh, of The Mummy, which starred, of course, the Universal uh, the Universal monster of the same name. They tried to redo this movie a couple years ago. Eek. Didn't hit as different. Didn't hit as different. But this one was definitely the one that we all remember the most. Uh, you know, Brendan Fraser as Rick O'Connell, one of our greatest, one of our greatest to me, action heroes of all time. Absolutely. Uh, this is one of my favorite movies. So essentially, the story here is Rick, who uh, he's he's basically traveling to. How do I say this? Uh, Hamunaptra. Is that how they said? Hamunaptra. Yeah. Hamunaptra. Yeah. The city of the dead, uh, and he's trying to find the. He's trying to find like this artifact, and he accidentally awake Emotep, which is like this big badass priest from like back in the day. Yeah, he got he, mummified for uh, banging the 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 uh, king's wife or some shit. On some R. Kelly shit. <laughs> I think she was. I think she was of age. No, I mean like uh, trapped in the closet. Oh, yeah. Maybe, right. <laughs> maybe I should just maybe I should just stop using R. Kelly references <laughs> altogether on the show. That's just but terrible. There's, the meanings are so bountiful. Yeah, they, <laughs> there's so many meanings to it. Uh, but let's talk about the moment here uh, on a rewatch. How did you guys feel about it? Watching it in 2020, uh, 21 years after it uh, came out. I love how much like. it's there's so much mythology in so little time like not just hominopt like i think people actually know these names just like despite all uh evidence to the contrary like that you would think they wouldn't but like imhotep hominopter like people actually remember these 
these names and shit. Uh, <laughs> I think they like do a pretty good job of world building somehow. Uh, I think some of it has to do obviously with Frazier's charisma. I think they have a pretty good way in with Weiss and her brother being like these like museum people or whatever. Librarians. Uh, yeah, librarians, librarians. librarians. <laughs> uh, I, the whole, you know, I, I think it's just a, a really, it's a clean setup that like lets them get a ton of mythology and they're the stupid Americans. Let's, let's talk about how violent this movie is from the beginning you see Brendan Fraser mowing down <laughs> Arabian people yeah. with double pistols. Uh, people are eaten alive by scarabs. People are, are tossed out of windows, uh, made in, like sucked dry into skeletons and they show the whole thing. This is way, like, this is to me pushing PG-13. Uh, this is a way more violent movie than I thought. It, it's, it's like crazy how violent this movie was at the time. I, don't even, I didn't even remember that a lot of this stuff happened. It makes the deaths look really gross. I mean, the scarab thing might be the most famous thing from the movie. Scariest uh, thing. And the, yeah, like, I still think, like, the little bubble of it, like, crawling around under you, it's so gross. No, it's awful. I think, it, and, and again, like, a, a lot has to go to the actual, to the CGI of the movie. I think we all remember the, 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 uh, the sandstorm scene. Oh yeah. Uh, where, that, that was what sold you on the trailer there. That's what got our asses into the theater. I saw this movie, I think the weekend it came out or maybe the weekend after at a summer movie thing, you know, when, when you used to go to summer camp yeah. and they would take you to go see movies. This was one of the movies that we saw. And I just remember being fucking blown away at this. And I, I hate to say like a lot of the CGI doesn't hold up, but I think the no, it doesn't storms, look good. The sandstorm scene still like is like insane to me how they got that to work in 1999. Yeah, and I, I think you're right about the CG, but a lot of the sets I think still look pretty good. Uh, but the effects themselves, especially when uh, Imhotep is like being revived when they're on the boat and stuff, which I think is a cool idea. The fact that like he's slowly like absorbing people and like becoming human again or whatever. But the way it looks when he's like half deformed and shit it it looks bad what you want to say uh eric sorry about that i had some audio issues uh no uh, i was completely agreeing like it, it does that um that cool thing uh, that exists r really in that pocket of like turn of the century uh late 90s early 2000s stuff of like the practical stuff slaps at times and is also laughable and then same with the cgi like <laughs> yeah like the 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 sand opening up like a maw like a mouth and opening the plane or swallowing the plane like you watch that now and it's laughable but like it still has like a, a sense of thrill to it and wonderment like even the cgi back then was kind of uh yeah like it's just it was still fun like this what this like really was like an action adventure movie like that the, the emphasis on adventure like again as pat would say they don't make them like this anymore yeah it's just especially the adventure part that's just I mean. think this this movie hit two months after the matrix part one so this was the craziest summer for like if you were like and i think a lot of these movies made us movie fans in a lot of ways like this is probably such a big cornerstone moment for movies at that at that time and i think the mummy was really right up there with the matrix in terms of just changing the game in terms of like movie effects, action scenes, because I mean, there's not a lot of plot here. Uh, the plot is they go there, they, they, they're, they're running away from Emotep. You know, it, it's a basic, pretty much action movie plot, but the yeah. effects is what carries this. And I think, you know, to get to, to Brendan Fraser, I would, I would like to say that like, 
I feel like Brendan's character in this movie is like the archetype of literally every single video game protagonist since, and they still do it. You've got your Nathan Drakes in Uncharted, and they're making yeah, an Uncharted I mean, he, movie. Yeah, and 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 you have like a lot of different characters that still utilize that because like a lot of the times he's just spouting out one-liners. He's literally not. He does not yeah. have a character in this movie. He's yeah. a one-liner machine. He's like a, a wisecracking, lovable guy who can also like beat the shit out of you. He's male. He's male Laura Croft. He, uh, he, um, yeah, he really is like, I think in the second mummy, he literally says like, here we go again. Yeah, <laughs> he does. He does. It's awesome. <laughs> it's so good, man. It's like all he does classic I, I, letters. I would love this. I, and I, and I also think like, and I don't know if you guys agree, like this is probably the best use of Brendan Fraser is this movie. Like I never bought him as a comedy guy. I never really bought him as like a dramatic guy. I always bought him in these roles. And I think that's why I was never like a fan of like a lot of his later output because it was like, I, I was like, I see through this shit. Like you're best or he was best when he was doing things like this. Yeah. yeah. Goofy, goofy and, and tough. Like uh, a combination of, like I said, the jock build. He, he, ha- he looks like a leading man. Uh, the, you know, bra- the brawny guy, like chiseled jaw, good hair, tall. And, but also like, doesn't take himself too seriously so he can like get beat up and like it looks funny he's like oh shit and yeah. like, like, <laughs> he can do slapstick and yeah so he he could do like four different things pretty well instead of one thing great if that makes sense like yeah he was he was decent at comedy decent at drama decent at the action stuff but you combine it together and it's like a a very well oiled machine i am curious about how he'd do dramatically like now nowadays and obviously a lot of his roles are other than doom patrol which we mentioned which it leans a little more toward it sounds like towards this type of thing but black, black comedy it's yeah. Black yeah but uh, like the like his the, people really liked him on uh like the affair it's a show i wouldn't watch but uh you know it's that's a pretty i, I would imagine there aren't many comedic roles on that show he um so, i think he's like a fixer like a very like quiet assassin type on that FX show about the uh, Getty kidnapping. Yeah, yeah. He wears uh, a cowboy hat. The, the big cowboy hat, yeah. yeah. So like, I think that's his new his new pocket. So let's talk about and we we kind of lightly mentioned Brendan Fraser's injuries in uh, in the beginning of this episode. There was a stunt on this movie um, that I was paying very close attention to uh, in the beginning of the movie when uh, Rachel Wise's character is trying to save, save uh, uh, Rick, he is hanged. Brendan Fraser, oh, yeah. Brendan was actually doing that scene. He was actually did his own stunt there. And he actually was, was unconscious. He was choked out during that scene. And they had to literally call the hospital to resuscitate him. Fucking crazy. Again, goes yeah. into the, vi- the violence of this movie in, in that there is someone literally being hanged in this movie and you're seeing his life leave his body and it was actually Brendan Fraser. So that, that like what, and Eric, maybe you could speak to him more than anyone. Like would Brendan have been forced to do most of this shit or, or was this just something that he just like, this is the type of guy he is. I, I never read any sort of stories about him being that guy, like a Tom Cruise esque. I insist on doing my own stunts. I insist on authenticity. He very well could have, and just not made a big show or display of it. I am more inclined to think that this is this is just like negligence of a studio, negligence of a set, of a, a set gone awry, uh, because that's more often than not when like a big a big name like Brendan Fraser getting hurt in that sort of 
blatant kind of way, that, that rarely happens. Like Tom Cruise breaking his ankle when he jumps from a building, that's expected. But like him getting yoked up like that, that sounds like uh, a lack of supervision or regulation on set. I don't know if Pat agrees with that, but. Well, there's uh, the, the, one of the things that actually really uh, inspired me to want to do this or started thinking about this like for a long time now actually was this GQ article from a few years ago uh, that I reread before this. And it I, just makes it sound like he, he wasn't doing like all of his own stunts, but he was doing a lot more than you normally would uh, as a leading man in his, you know, in his position. Uh, and even these movies that weren't like action movies, like they were, he was doing all, he was hanging off a helicopter and bedazzled. Uh, he, yeah, you know, he, he really fe- did that. Yeah. So, you know, that's still, that's a lot. It's <laughs> a lot. That's a good point. Um, yeah, it, it, it's insane. And, and again, like you go back to watch that scene and it's like really tough to watch knowing, you know, where he, he ended up. He had to get like knee surgeries and back surgeries and like, this is crazy. Yeah. But you said he was battling depression. Maybe he was like, I, I think, I think around the same time as the, I mean, it, it, number, it can't be ignored. Number one, that the kind of movie that he was in just generally stopped being popular uh, shortly after The Mummy Returns came out. Um, like these adventure types of movies just kind of stopped being good more or less after that. Yeah. Um, but I think his, I believe his father passed away and uh, he said he was fighting some depression surrounding that. And then when he reported that assault at the Hollywood Foreign Press uh, and that was like largely ignored, I think the uh, depression, the assault and the injuries kind of like swirled into you know, him kind of going away for a little while. Sure. Yeah. I, I wonder how much of the depression, because I, I think the, the, the assault he reported was later, like late 2000, like 2010 or something like that. Yeah. I'm, I don't know the exact timeline. The, the, assault was 20, the, assault, the assault was 2018. Oh, I think that's when the story it. on it came out. I think I, I, I think it was in 2004 or something, the assault itself. Oh, well that, that definitely lines up. And I was going to say, maybe that's what led him to want to, seek thrills on set and like put himself in danger if you are depressed or feeling empty or whatever maybe that's why he was you know, i don't want to psychoanalyze here but. it was 2003 it was 2003 yeah. when, when that happened yeah Gee, that, that lines up perfectly i mean not not to say that the hollywood foreign press has insane amount of sway as far as like an american getting cast in a movie but you know that that whisper network can really fuck you and if uh yeah it's it's it, wikipedia always reliable says you know this happened he was divorced his mother had just died and then he had all these injuries uh that so. breaks my heart man and he is like a tragic figure that's why like it does seem easy to laugh at him and he has done laughable shit i think he would agree with that the but, clapping gif i mean yeah the clapping gif <laughs> is crazy uh but yeah I, he is sort of a tragic figure and i'm glad he is bouncing back and doing you know prestigious shit again like the fx show is doing really well and yeah, like Pat said, the affair, he got some acclaim there. And but yeah, the guy, almost like Keanu in a way, like was kind of written off as a laughing stock and then yeah. had all this and personal we're, and, and, and we're going to talk about these laughing stock roles when we come <laughs> back from the break because we're going to get a little bedazzled when we Woo. come back from break on late fees. So please stay put and uh, we're, we're going to go get some refreshments, use the bathroom and come right back after this commercial break on late fees. Now, what exactly is this man in prison for? Well, this I did not know. But when I heard you were coming, I asked him that myself. Yalla! And what did he say? He said he was just looking for a good time. 
this is this is the man that you stole it from? Yes, exactly. So why don't we just go sniff out a spot of Tiffin? Who are you? And who's the broad? Broad. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm just local sort of missionary chap, spreading the good word and all that. But th this is my sister, Evie. How do you? Oh well, guess she's not so lost. I beg your pardon. I'll be back in a moment. Ask him about the books. Um, we've uh, found. Uh, hello, excuse me. Um, we both found your your puzzle box, and we've come to ask you about it. No. 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 You came to ask me about Hamanatra. How do you know that the box pertains to Hamanatra? Because that's where I was when I found it. I was there. But how do we know? That's not a load of pig swallow. You know, do I know you? No, 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 no. I, I've just got one of those faces. <laughs> 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 what, you were actually at Hamanatra. Yeah, I was there. You swear? Every damn day. No, I didn't mean that. I know what you meant. I was there. Seti's place, city of the dead. Could, could you tell me how to get there? I mean, the exact location. You want to know? Well, well, yes. Do you really want to know? Yes. Then get me the hell out of here! Do it, lady! Where are they taking him? To be hanged. Apparently, he had a very good time. All right, welcome back to Late Fees. We're going to go to the year 2000 and talk about Harold Ramis's Bedazzled, starring Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley. Yet another remake of a 1967 it is, yeah. film. Uh, with with a it's a, it's like a retelling of like some type of Faust legend about getting your wishes and appreciating yeah. what you have on this earth. Uh, Brendan pr plays Elliot Richards. He's a he's a pretty dorky nerdy guy again. Incel alert. Again, Brendan playing against type uh, that everyone hates, including uh, people like uh, or Orlando. I think it's Orlando Jones is in it, and the other two guys. Uh, he he meets with Hurley, who plays. Who? Toby Huss. Who's that? He's the other white guy, the guy who does the shockingly offensive gay stereotype performance. Um, but Toby Huss is in the new Halloween movie. He's yes, he's uh, in Pete and Pete too, isn't he? He's already the strongest man in the world. Yeah, he's in I think he's in Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah, he's had a great renaissance. The, the Toby Huss assaults. He he uh, he's the cult leader that you see on video in the Invitation. Oh um, shit, he is okay. Who like leads that woman to her death or whatever? Yeah, this he, is why this yeah. is why we have Eric on this show. I, I, I the random shit. That's all I'm here for. <laughs> all right, bedazzled, Pat. It was at this moment when I said, "Why are we doing this episode?" When I was watching this movie, it was the first one I. It was the first movie I watched um, because I hadn't seen it. I remember seeing all the commercials, and I had never actually seen this movie before. This movie is definitely. There's there. I mean, let's just take let's just take a, a, a inventory of what's in it. There's gay panic. Uh, there's brown face. There's brown face. There's brown nose. There's there's brown nose. Uh, there is uh, an, an, an enormous amount of violence in the movie, that, which is part of the course for any Brendan Fraser film at this point. Uh, there is really questionable Incel writing rehabilitation. For, for women. Yes. Th that and also questionable writing for women. Um, why? 
Why? Why, uh, why I, this? I, I also hadn't seen this one uh, until this time. Uh, I just, <laughs> what, but, what were your thoughts? But, you know, I did, I did remember a surprising amount. It sounds like the same was true for you. I remembered a surprising amount from uh, the trailers at the time. Yes. Which I think does just kind of speak itself to how, uh, how big Frasier was. I will say, uh, because Austin Powers had just come out, it would be hard to overstate how hot Elizabeth Hurley was at the time this movie came out. The, this movie is wild, and but it is <laughs> at the end at at its core, it is an anti incel movie because he doesn't get the girl he wants at the end, and he is he, like he is the bad guy here. Like the the yes, he gets his comeuppance because he gets to shove one of the guys in real life, the guys who are. Uh, the office coworkers who were bullying him. They he made really fun wasn't. of him a lot though. Yeah. He, he really was insufferable. And like he gets, he loses in every dream or every wish that he gets. He dies a horrific death. The girl he thinks he has entitled to ownership over leaves him for another guy in each one. Um, and he, he basically goes to hell because of it. And then he does a selfless act and doesn't, but um, yeah, I, I was, like, really shocked by – I mean, we were talking about this off mic before the show and just, like, just the casual homophobia uh, yes. of, of the, the mid-'90s or the early – even, like, to the mid-2000s. Yeah. How about, how about, how about uh, the middle of Obama's second term? Yeah, like, until, like <laughs> – it's like this, There's some crazy shit out there. Yeah. Well, it's crazy – it's crazy in this movie, he actually verbalizes and says, you made me a flaming homosexual, <laughs> a term I haven't heard in at least four or five years at this point. Uh, I mean, I, I first even mentioned when, when, I'm taking, when I was taking inventory, there's a mystical Negro in the film. There and is. He's God. There and is. he's God. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that was one of the most surprising things about it to me. I was like, did King write this script? They, yeah. they, they check every single box in this movie of that time period. And I was just like, there's... To me, nothing redeemable about it. I think the like the first gag, obviously we remember this from the trailers. He wakes up as Tony Montana. He's speaking in complete English. I, I I'm I have to say I can't speak a lick of Spanish. I'm impressed that Brendan Fraser could pull off that whole. That, that scene. was him, right? That was him that speaking was him. In Spanish. It was yeah. it was really good. <laughs> it, it was very good. I was sh- and again it goes into like I'll, I'll never I'll never say even on this episode I'll never say Brendan Fraser isn't talented. This movie proves that he's talented he plays at least four different characters each each time yeah. he's, he's super talented the basketball scene i thought was was dope but that, there was like a tinge of like mad tv-esque dick humor in it yeah that was just like what the fuck is this yeah every single thing that undoes him in all these things ends up making it feel a little bit like sketch comedy yeah it, i was again shocked at just how broad the humor was i, just, I hadn't seen this in years i, I saw this in theaters <laughs> And uh, oh, I mean, you got to remember it's Ramis who like he's a pro and he's so funny, but he is like kind of an old school comic. Yeah. Oh, you know, anim- Animal House era stuff. And this was around yeah. the same time he made Analyze This within the same year, which is like shocking to me. Are those good? I always have them in my watch list and I've never watched them. First one is really good. Second one, is Analyze That is ass. Um, okay. But yeah, he like you said, he is a pro and like it does his comedy writing does shine like in the quieter moments like in that basketball scene which i do find very funny yeah yeah. the 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 banter between the color commentators like orlando jones is like a stephen a 
like his name. Wait, no, was, he's he's Barkley. He's Barkley. Barkley. Yeah, yeah, he was Barkley. And then like the white guy's name is Bob Bob. And like I think that little stuff <laughs> like that is like genuinely funny. Uh, but yeah, it, it is like oh man, this is they they really don't make movies like this anymore because it is like Pat said, like more about this naturalism and character more than just theme or plot. So like yeah, like, uh, imagine like a fucking I don't know. I mean, Seth Rogen kind of did it with American Pickle, but like going back, yeah. uh, going back and playing like eight different characters and like a morality play about not changing who you are and being happy with yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, and and again, and, <laughs> and, and not being a freak. Yeah, and 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 the homophobic scene, it does this early two thousand thing. And, and Harold Ramis is a good writer and I think a good guy. Rest in peace to the king. But like, it does that early two thousand thing where it, it almost is woke. Like. They're trying to say like gay people are sophisticated and the smartest people in the room. Like he's this, he is this, he is this worldly writer when he gets his wish to be, you know, charming and handsome and wise and, and a good writer. And then it turns out he has to like, it could have been funny if he just kissed her. It's like, oh no, I'm, I'm gay. I'm not attracted to you. But like, yeah. they had this huge, like over the top cliche to played by Toby Huss as like a man with lipstick on. I was like, Oh no. Yeah. So crazy. It would have like, it would have been even like, even, even now you could do a version where like they're at the party, they kiss and he's like, huh. And then he kind of like walks back to his bedroom and he's like, Oh, okay. And then like just okay. smash cuts back to him with Elizabeth. Like there's so you can get the same joke in like yeah. a, a, a less offensive way. With, without disrespecting people, like even going back to the to the actual Colombian drug lord scene, when he's tasting the, the cocaine and everyone's like, "Whoa, what's wrong with him? We're all making coke!" Yeah. Uh, like like the whole Scarface thing is crazy. Like I, again, like it was crazy these, enough when they did wishes. it in Scarface. Exactly, like <laughs> all of the the wishes I think are based on uh, actually like the the deadly sins. I think there there's greed. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of the stuff like. Um, I, I believe there was some trivia that said that originally uh, Brendan's Fraser was labeled too pathetic and they actually had to scale back on a lot of the stuff that happened. So like <laughs> his actual character was way worse than what we see here. I, I can't imagine how p more pathetic they could get unless they have someone literally like, pissing on him on the actual movie. So <laughs> I don't know, but this is not a movie I'm keeping in my video stores. It's, it's objectively terrible. I, I think I'm okay with that. Um... It does. It is a nice relic of 2000 pre 9/11, where it's like there's this scene of San Francisco, like pre tech boom, and again Elizabeth Hurley just being there because she was the hottest woman of of like 98 to 2001. And that was because uh, of a Mike Myers movie. Yeah, because of Austin Powers specifically. Um, yeah, we don't have to keep this. I, Harold Ramis is the god, but this is clearly him. Like, like I have to make a studio movie now. Uh, for that's PG 13. And uh, yeah, it fumbled. And yeah, like the Faustian stuff is fine, I guess. Like I don't know. Not exactly groundbreaking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. A, a devil's a devil's advocate came out two years before this, and that was literally Al Pacino's character's name is John Milton in that movie. Like, <laughs> it, 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 it did the, the Faustian stuff was huge in this era, but uh, yeah, we don't need bedazzled. Sorry. Brandon. Yeah, I, I will say even as somebody who's been watching like. A ton, like there's so many weird angels and demons themed movies in like late 90s early 2000s yes. like where people it, were ready for y2k at that point yeah. that's why they but, were like, but like they most were like, of them, yo we're about to die most of them don't have like an actual religious element to them they're like 
this movie Frailty with McConaughey or uh, or Fallen with Denzel. Like they use really broad religion as a way into like a story that's like about a demon for some reason. And this is like there's there's better representations of that in other movies. Like I I understand why people have like fond childhood memories of this movie, but it wasn't. I wouldn't watch it again, and it's ninety minutes, so not in the store. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Keep, let, let's keep that out of the store. Before yeah, we get to rejection. But before we get to uh, the next movie on the list here, I want to I want to like quickly go through a couple of movies that uh, came out after this. Uh, Monkey Bone. Yeah. Came out in two thousand one, which is widely considered the worst year for for cinema uh, <laughs> of all time. Uh, and has anyone seen Monkey Bone? I remember seeing the commercials. I've I've never seen it personally. I was curious about it in the same way I was curious about a lot of these other movies, um, but uh, I never I've never seen it. Uh, we also have The Mummy Returns. Well, I thought it was a classic until a few years ago. <laughs> I haven't seen it in a really long time. I think I caught ten minutes of it. And I was like, I don't have time to watch all of this. It's a really long movie. It is. I think the Anubis shit is awesome, even though it doesn't look awesome in the movie at this point. Um, Like Eric said earlier, it was The Rock's first major role where he was CGI'd onto a scorpion. Yes. Uh, It looks so, so bad. It looks like he's made out of clay. Yeah. Looks like he's he looks like a PlayStation One character. Yeah. At that that point, it's horrible. CGI. Yeah, it was Uh, that, that weird purgatory when like. They were like on the verge of new technology to make this shit look better. Like, remember that arrow of like Beowulf where it was like live action? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like digitized over the live stuff. I was just like, what is it? It's like everybody's melting the whole time. Um, the Quiet American. I have no one knows what that is. I haven't is. even heard of this movie. <laughs> it's, it's him and Michael Caine. Uh, it was an adaptation of a, of a novel from 1955. Uh, it's, it's about Vietnam. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious about it, but I, what a weird career. Again, this right. this was that era, early 2000s, you could just shit out a movie like that. And it probably made a couple million bucks. It probably did okay. Like, no, it actually didn't. It lost <laughs> it, it. It lost $3 million. Okay, I, I stand corrected. Well, you get there were a lot of movies, like this is like the Captain Corelli's Mandolin era of, of war movies. Yeah, they were just chugging them out. Like Brendan Fraser and Michael Caine, two you know, respectively B plus A minus list stars at the time. Like, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, they don't do that anymore. Or it would go right to fucking video on demand or some shit. So we screech right to a halt after that. to <laughs> Looney Tunes, <laughs> Looney Tunes back in action in 2003, uh, directed by Joe Dante, legend. Not maybe not here, but legend. no, a- absolute legend. Uh, Eric and I saw him do a Q and A about um, Gremlins. Gremlins two. Yeah, uh, he's invited on Chapo Trap House, so yeah. I'll joke aside. And we saw they they did a Q and A at um, the Egyptian. He was basically like, "Yeah, the studio couldn't do it." Ha! So so he would do he would talk shit about the studio here, but then turn around and do a Looney Tunes movie in which he also had his rights taken away by the studio <laughs> as well. Very interesting here. You see uh, Brendan Fraser in this movie as Damien DJ Drake Jr. as a daredevil in the movie uh, with Jenna Elfman. Wow, remember Jenna Elfman? Pre-Scientology. That was a moment. She's Scientology. Uh, Going back, Bedazzled had a good Scientology joke. That was the first 
Because that has to be the first on-screen anti-Scientology joke. Also, where, in, in line with, with, the, with the devil. Yeah, because he was like, uh, he meets uh, Elizabeth Sh uh, Hurley, and he's like, I'm glad Scientology worked for you, but I don't want anything to do with it. And he, like, walks away. <laughs> <laughs> Jenna, El Jenna Elfman, got, uh, Elfman got swept up in that. You know, I know we watching the Looney Tunes wasn't on our list, but I remember seeing this in theaters, too. Um, I just think it was one of those movies we snuck into after we saw, like, Volcano or Dante's Peak or some shit. Uh, I don't remember what it was, but I remember some of the stuff actually working because of Joe Dante, but also Steve Martin is like a maniac in this movie. Uh, oh, so what, he's the reason. Like, he's the reason I cut it off. Steve Martin. Yes. <laughs> he is like a. He is like uh, he got the memo that this was a Looney Tune movie, and he's like, okay, I can do that, and uh, yeah, it's just over the top shit. So. The idea here is Steve Martin's character, who is Mr. Chairman. Uh, he's, the, he's the chairman of the Acme Corporation, and he wants to turn mankind into monkeys. Mm -hmm. at, this okay. point, I, at this point, I hated Pat more than anything in the world. Uh, Pat, did you see this movie? Did you I, watch it? I've seen parts of it, yeah. I've never seen the whole thing. <laughs> put it on the list! No, Dom put ask. it on the list. Oh, he did? Yeah. Damn you, oh, Dom. It's Dom's fault. I was blaming I was blaming Pat when I really should have been blaming Dom. No, that, I mean I, I think the, I think the movie's interesting because they try they clearly tried to like they were like, all right, we're giving Frasier his next thing and the Looney Tunes their next thing. And then they both went away for a very long time. Jesus Christ. This was also a movie this wasn't this also a movie where he uh, also caught a, a really bad injury as well? That I think that's what Dom mentioned. I don't know specifically which one, but I mean he was also not as young as he used to be. You know, this is, he, you know. Mid-30s here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, this movie's crazy. Uh, Jenna Elfman's in it. I, I caught 20 <laughs> minutes of it, and I was like, I, I really, I really cannot do it, man. Like, I, I, I can't, bro. It, it, it's, it's objectively terrible. So let's just move on to Crash. Oh man, talk about objectively terrible. Yeah, this there's like a lot of Crash represents a lot of bad things. Yeah, I could we could talk well, forever about this. Let's do it. Well, it's it's not a movie, and, I, and again, we're we're sticking to Brendan here. I know we could do a whole episode on Crash. Just we, uh, just a hilarious line by line picking apart of Crash. Oh, by by each segment, but yeah. uh, here <laughs> Brendan Frey plays uh, Rick Cabot, who is a politician who is corrupt. Uh, this is a more dramatic role for him. Uh, he plays the husband of, of Gene, uh, that's Sandra Bullock's character. How did you feel about him here? He's, he's not really front and center in the movie uh, a, a lot, but he does play a significant role in, in uh, Sandra Bullock's character's story. And, and I, I honestly forgot he was in this movie. I, I just rewatched his parts. But um, what did you feel about him in, in Crash? He, he's, I mean, he's perfectly serviceable. Like he, like you said, he maybe has... 18 minutes of screen time total yeah. probably but uh like he plays sort of the like foil or i guess like just calmer less uh noticeably racist counterpart to his to to sandra bullock who is like you know probably like a typical liberal suburban housewife who clutches her purse when uh michael pena's character comes in to fix their locks she saw his tattoos so she's like i want i want a new company to come in and fix our locks and he's like what do you don't you don't do that and, but then he he exposes himself as a sort of 
softer bigot, uh, for lack of a better word, when, <laughs> when like uh, one of his interns or one of his aides um, uh, was like, hey, we can like reward this uh, Iraqi fireman who got injured uh, in Northern California. His name is like Saddam Johnson or something. He's like, you want me to put a medal on a man named Saddam? And like, look, <laughs> uh, it's, you know, like, early, it's just like such Bush era anxieties uh, played up to like, you know, just a deafening well, then, neo, like a uh, neoliberal hypocrisy the itself. end the ending of crash is basically like we're all hugging and we all made misassumptions about each other right yeah. like, <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. every single one of us stereotyped someone in an inappropriate way and yeah, like meanwhile matt it's... dylan is like dragging his shitting dad off of the toilet <laughs> yeah it, it is literally everybody's racist uh and white white people are victims of racism too that's paul haggis's uh thesis statement this wasn't this was this before or after he got out of the church it was towards the end of the church okay because yeah. he i know he's very remorseful about this part of his life in general like he I, like you when he talks about it it seems like he's gonna cry so yeah I, he's yeah. one of the few who like got out and was actually no like i, I i'm not gonna mince words the scientology is uh, i was in an insane cult yeah two two uh, things two but he things, still probably sorry. thinks like this because most white liberals do yeah two things here Roger Ebert named this as his movie of the year. Cool. Roger Ebert, I mean, respect to Ebert in a lot of ways. He's such a cornball. Um, and also, did you guys see the, the, the interview earlier this year with Tandy Newton who said that uh, Paul Haggis didn't want her to wear, like, protective underwear when she was, when she was assaulted by Matt Damon's character? Because he wanted, he wanted to be real. He wanted, he wanted Matt Damon to really, or Matt Dillon to really go there. Jesus Christ. Hollywood is a nightmare. Sickos. It is full of, I mean, like, Republicans aren't wrong. They're wrong. They're right for the wrong reasons. But like Hollywood is just full of perverts and psychopaths. Uh, yeah. But sorry, that's awful. Tandy, respect to her for fucking. I mean, I, I hopefully she, she talked about beating up Tom Cruise in the same interview, so it was cool. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was an incredible interview. Hopefully, she got to wear something and like she talked <laughs> on that. Um, I don't know, but. Yeah, and Matt Matt Dillon got nominated for an Oscar for that. So funny! Isn't this the movie where Ludacris loves country music? No, yeah, and he's a Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs does. Ludacris then, is the the one who right? tells him to shut shut the fuck up with the country music. Yeah, and then just imagining a white person writing the lines of lyric or lines of dialogue for uh, Terrence Howard's character to tell another black character, "You embarrass me." you embarrass yourselves. Like it's basically saying like respectability politics. Like you're, you're the bad kind of black person. Uh, Terrence Howard is the right kind of black person. Uh, this clean cut, rich director guy. It, it's an insane movie. Uh, old boy, what's, what's that famous character actor's name who gets like the gas canister put in his mouth in the beginning of Dark Knight um, in the bank? You know what I mean? Oh, uh, oh uh, yeah. Baldwin. I, He's a Baldwin. Yeah. William Baldwin. William Baldwin. No, no, no. no. Uh, different, different guy, Justin, I think. Uh, who's one? He's in Heat. He's, he's the one in, who's like he's in Prison you Break. You, 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 uh, you and your friends are dead. That's William Baldwin, isn't it? A Baldwin? No, he's not a Baldwin. It oh, is William know. something, though. I think it is William Fitchner. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I say Baldwin. Is there a Baldwin in these movies? I don't. I don't think there's a Baldwin in one of the in one of the, in, in, not in Dark Knight or in Crash. There's a PA. There's a PA. There's a, there. there's a Roberts, Julia, Julia Roberts' brother. Eric Roberts is in it. Um, there we go. But uh, Yes, he, the Roberts is in it, yeah. Uh, 
what's his name? Fickner tells Don Cheadle, like, remember, he was like, fucking black people, am I right? Like, look at your brother. <laughs> like, look at your brother getting in trouble, and you're like a good, clean co- cop. Like, am I right? Like, it's it's insane that that movie, uh, not, I mean, it, it actually makes total sense that that movie did so well in, in Hollywood because that's well, like, how, it's still, that's how liberals it, think. People assume that if good actors are in a movie, it is good. Like, for yeah. the most part, unless a bunch of people are like, this movie sucks. Like, it's, it, it's why, like, a lot of people who didn't even see Green Book, I think, just assume that it's a good movie. And there's, like, it's, like, uh, cancel culture outrage that it's a bad movie just because they don't think beyond... Well, Vigo and Mahershala didn't make a bad racist movie. That couldn't happen. Like, right. that's just like what people think for some reason. And then you like look at Crash and it's like a list of character prestige actors. And you're like, well, all these people can't be wrong. Yeah. I know. It <laughs> it's it's actually wonder. very easy. There, it happens all the time. It happens, it happens most the of the time. Yeah. It makes you wonder like what, there's no way Don Cheadle read that and was just like, yeah, this is good. Like this, this is, this is, he's getting bigotry and, culture and society right like well i i think it kind of actually going full circle uh it goes a little bit of the of harkens back to what we were saying about nolan actually because uh i could know a guy who uh worked on the set on tenet and it said like you know you'd think these guys know anything uh while they're shooting and it seems like they just throw everything together in post and it's it's like you know cheeto might not have known exactly what he or anybody might not have known what he was getting into and then Haggis goes into post and shits this thing out. And it's like, yeah, that's a good point. Like that, that scene where Fickner's being like truly racist to him. And he kind of just takes it. Like, he's like, I'm sure in like, in the editing, it's going to make it look like you, this is clearly he's the bad guy and he's making a bad point. And I'm yeah. going to have a come up. It's no, well, it's like, like a Soderbergh movie, even though it looks good on paper and he's an amazing director. It like the, uh, what was the one that Cheadle's in that we just watched? Um, out of sight uh, traffic traffic like that uh, movie could easily be like crash like a few bad decisions and, it, and i think people a lot of people do th- assume it's like crash uh but and it isn't uh but i think it could easily have been yeah. uh it, w- with a few missteps yeah it, but yeah, it, we, it's we, really like uh, liberal racism at its fine it, it is like what get out is making fun of basically so anyway, uh, Brendan Fraser does briefly appear in Crash. Yeah. <laughs> I, I completely was like, I was going to let you guys riff because I definitely didn't want. But honestly, this is this is where it gets kind of fuzzy for uh, for Brendan here. Uh, he has a, he he does uh, Journey to the End of the Night, the last time Journey to the Center of the Earth, which does terribly. Uh, Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, which we touched on a little bit uh, earlier before the break. He makes an appearance in G.I. Joe: Rise of Cobra. And then after that, he just kind of kind of peters off. He's got Furry Vengeance, uh, Standoff, <laughs> uh, Pawn Shop Chronicles. He has the movie that Dom had told us about last week called The Poison Rose that is a 2019 movie starring John Travolta and Morgan Freeman. Uh, and after that, it just kind of gets fuzzy, man. It, it, it's really a shame, to be honest. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, it's he, weird. Even those last few that you mentioned, like Journey to the Center of the Earth and Tomb of the Dragon Emperor were literally like, a few years after crash and it was like can this guy have one more shot at action hero stuff and it was like ah no it did well journey to the center of the earth did well yeah but like not in the right type of way for like what was coming for movies after it happened yep yeah i mean we're 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 sitting on the precipice of superhero stuff at that point and he's just not factored in at all yeah and you have to think about it like look how easily look how seamlessly like 
zeitgeist icons like Bruce Willis and John Travolta fell into straight to straight to VHS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the movies Travolta is making now are some of the worst movies ever. Yeah, same with Bruce Willis. Like, you would think like he would just stop acting rather than make eight movies a year with uh, Mark. What's his name? Mark pa- Mark Paul, um, who played Hustler? Yeah, <laughs> who played uh, Zach Morris? Like, yeah, yeah he makes or, or Cuba Gooding Jr. You know, like, like very, very, and these guys had bigger careers than Brennan did, and Brennan had a huge career, uh, and they they couldn't escape the uh, the graveyard of the straight to VHS ecosystem. Um, so yeah, uh, you know. Hollywood is cruel to people who age and he was pushing 40 and yeah, he, he served a very particular niche and that niche as Pat was saying was on the precipice of going away with Cape movies and uh, like the action adventure stuff, movies like Sahara and uh, you know, these movies that like Steve Zahn and Matthew McConaughey made and shit like they, they just went away. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah. And, and again, that, that is reporting an assault uh, of a, yeah. a very powerful executive can echo into eternity and i feel terrible for the guy yeah i mean it's one of it's one of the only times we hear it about somebody i mean a man let alone somebody of this stature but it you know it, him, it, it, it did happen yeah him and terry cruz a very similar uh, terry terry was able to uh kind of maneuver into you know tv stardom but um yeah just it happens man it's uh, again perverts and psychos in hollywood yeah uh you know it really sucks and you know i mean the, our thoughts or my thoughts on his movies notwithstanding Brendan Fraser really is like a relic of an older time he was yeah. he was the, he was someone that he was a big bulky you know muscular guy that played comedic roles you don't see that a lot if you're seeing it it's the rock and he's not laughing at all he's always <laughs> he's, he's, you know he's always you know someone else is the butt of the joke in those movies or like, or like Batista kind of does it but it's not the same thing it's like he it's like he's he's yeah. Batista first he's not like I could we could be next to a Brendan Fraser. He could be our next door neighbor. And, and that yeah. really might be the title. Like your next door neighbor. Like he really is. He's the guy next door. Brendan Fraser is in a way that ben, yeah. ben Affleck isn't in a way that Tom Cruise isn't, you know, it's just impossible to, to kind of make that distinction. Now he really is a relic. I mean, from Encino man to the mummy to bedazzled, there wasn't anybody doing it like him. Even yeah. if you hated the movies or you loved them, there was yeah. nobody at the time doing it like him. And I mean, honestly, ever since then, I think your his closest parallel would probably be one of uh what was his name Chris 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 Pratt, probably. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, totally. Uh, you 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 think of guys like um. Yeah, I think Pratt's a pretty good Pratt. a pretty good one. I think Pratt's perfect. Like a kind of sh- like. Can play schlubby, but clearly handsome, big guy, a jock with a cool nerd vibe to him. If that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah. like yeah. it's it's hard to. Like th- this is uh, stereotyping hul- hulky guys, but like you know, Pratt's politics notwithstanding, uh, he's a guy who's like, it's hard to get the kind of like big guardian adventure guy who also like is very like charming and emotionally in touch with like exactly what's going on. Yeah. Uh, but Pratt can do that. Like he ha- he can you know in the right role he can he can do that. Like, especially Star-Lord, I think does, that really seems like a Brendan Fraser uh, kind of role to me. Yeah. He would have been perfect to Star-Lord, honestly. Like, yeah. it would have com- it would have completely failed. I mean, obviously they want to skew, skew younger, but, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it's really, you know, it, it's really, really crazy that, you know, we don't see this type of archetype anymore. And even if the movies, to me, didn't always hit the mark, 
for the time they were probably they were popping because of that you know mm -hmm. because he looked like someone that was con that you could connect to and there just weren't that many uh action stars or comedy stars like that so Brendan right. Fraser legend always love you know always love the mummy I yeah, think. And, he, <laughs> yeah. like, and even when he made Drek, like which all these action adventure movies like journey to the center or center of the earth became he was always likable like he he seems like a genuinely likable lovable dude and uh yeah if he was 15 years younger he would have been star lord it is just he aged out of a industry that yeah just moves you know quicker than the blink of an eye like he looks like someone from 1930s movies he looks like a clark gable kind of guy but he has like a 80s 90s kind of vibe to him as far as his, his style of humor yeah it's a shame that uh he got a raw deal but i'm sure he has millions upon millions of dollars still in the bank and he's 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 doing okay so i'm trying to get him to play a serial killer in the script i'm working on right now that'd be great oh, yeah. right. bring him back Pafif. why do we want all the white guys uh to come back and be serial killers <laughs> that well in real life all all the serial killers are white guys <laughs> <laughs> okay so we're rolling into october and of course we have our october fest month on late fees obviously dom will be joining us next episode so make sure that you guys follow him at all new dom so on october 9th we're going to be watching you too eric we're going to be watching hatchet one through through three not no alistair uh uh what's that movie called victor crowley no no victor crowley that movie's terrible we're gonna watch we're gonna we're, we're you know it's a slasher flick and if you if you love slasher flicks You'll probably know what Hatchet is. If you've never seen it, tap in. It's going to be a, quite a ride because I, I watched two and three uh, about a month and a half ago. I'm going to rewatch them for the show. Never seen part one, so I'm going to definitely watch it then. October 23rd, we're going to do the Saw franchise. Yes. <laughs> so, and I think I might want to cut it to maybe one through four or one through three. Uh, it yeah, to... it, it gets murky for me after four. Yeah, I, I don't want to... I don't wanna, send us into tailspin here but i think that's going to be another fun one and we have a guest lined up for that episode as well so stay tuned we're going to announce it on the next episode who the guests are going to be and october 30th right before halloween it's a tradition for late fees even though we didn't hit it last year but we're going <laughs> to have secret jack-o-lantern returns and that means that each of the hosts on late fees give another host a movie to watch random movie to watch uh, out of their collection and we watch it and we review it for halloween and uh, I know it's kind of weird this year. There's not going to be a lot of Halloween. I went to Target the other day, in fact, and I was looking for discounted candy because I thought that it would be, you know, since, you know, everything's going on, they, they at least stock the shelves, but they knew Halloween's not going, so they're going to discount it. There is no Halloween uh, decorations, anything in Target at all. I went to two Targets. There was no Halloween signage. My, my Ralphs did have uh, Halloween. I, I wasn't discounted, though. Was anyone buying anything? No. I mean, why? For what? Jesus Christ. Yeah, there was there out here in Long Beach, none, zero. It's, it's insane. It's kind of sad too. So, so R.I.P. Halloween. We're gonna still we're gonna still live up to it. Hopefully, I get to see Freaky next month because I, I do want to talk about that movie as well. But uh, until then, thank you all for listening to Late Fees. Make sure you check out uh, all of the Hatchet movies before uh, next two weeks. They're all on Amazon. I think Hatchet 2 is on Amazon Prime if you have it for free. It's not the uncut version. I think I'm going to try and watch the uncut versions. 
Uh, but all of them are on Amazon Prime. And if, if not, they're super cheap to, to rent, like two bucks. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Hey, I want you, I want, I want you to watch that movie with Noelle. She, her eyes are lighting up. I'm looking at her right now. <laughs> you should watch me. Hatchet one through three with Noelle. Just We're two people who, just two people who love horror movies over here. Until next time, thank you all for listening to Late Fees. Uh, if you want to listen to, to more shows, make sure you subscribe to us at RNC Watch. Uh, and make sure you leave us a comment and, and subscribe and leave us a rating and let us know what you like, what you feel, what, what, you, what types of outfits you want to see Pat wear in October. And until then, uh, for Pat and Eric and for Dom, who will be here next time, I'm Justin signing off. The, the video store is closed. Please, please, please wear a mask and wash your damn hands, you filthy animals. Peace out. Peace. Oh.